Welcome to the Positive Solutions for Life podcast. I'm Peggy Meyer, and I'm so excited you are here. In this and future episodes released on Fridays of each week, you will hear from other entrepreneurs, creators, and personal growth leaders through interviews and summaries of personal development books, strategies, tools, and ideas that can help you transform your mind and body from the inside out so you can truly, truly live the life you desire. Welcome to the podcast, Renee Schulte. I'm so happy you're here and thank you so much for being my guest. And I just want to share just a little bit about you and then we'll get started and you can share what you want about yourself. But I met Renee a few years ago in a Facebook group for community leaders, and definitely Renee is one of those. This is where I found out about her background as a therapist, and that was resonated with me because I was too a a therapist for over 20 years. I also found out about her passion for policy, but that's not all. Renee is a recovering politician, a behavioral health consultant, and owner of Rural Policy Partners. She recently launched a podcast called Stepping In It, where she and her business partner, Jason Haglin, step into behavioral health care issues so you don't have to. So welcome to the podcast, Renee Schulte. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It's been a lot of fun, and I look forward to our conversation. Well, yes. And so let's get started with this conversation because I really find it interesting. You tagline yourself as a recovering politician. So why do you call yourself that? Well, that's, it's a long story, but I'll give you the big nutshell. So I was never going to be a politician. That was never a life goal. And I was a therapist, as we talked about, and I ended up getting recruited to run for office. So I ran for office And the senator said to me, if you're going to run for office, why would you do it? And I said, to fix a mental health system. He says, nobody runs to do that. Well, we ran and we did. We went and redesigned our system in our state. And then as quickly as I was in office, I got back out. But during the four years I was in, I gave up all self-care. I was having such a good time doing all the things and loved the work, but I forgot to take care of myself. So If you have ever been around a legislature, you get like free breakfast, lunch, and dinner of all the foods you should never eat. You work way too hard. You get very little sleep. You don't take care of yourself. And what resulted in that was actually a chronic illness that ended up hospitalized after that, um, after I was done being in the legislature. And so I had to go into this long period of recovery and kind of rebuilding, and that ended my political career. And so the stress of politics is part of what I let go. And so I'm politician because I actually stay out of that anymore. I'm, I had a, a party that I was associated with, but that is just super extra stressful and I don't need to do that anymore. So I try to stay out of politics and stay in my lane of behavioral health care, which is nonpartisan because all people need health care. So I just try to stay in that lane. So it's been a long journey, but I'm recovering and trying to stay the heck out of there. That's why I'm a recovering politician. That's so interesting. And, you know, you being a therapist and me being a therapist, we we have a tendency to really like to, you know, explore the self-care options for people. And so tell me a little, what would you want to, you know, give your 10 cents worth of why self-care is so important to you? Well, the biggest thing I've learned is it's about sleep and without it, 
you're going to be a mess. And so for a long time younger, I could go longer without quality sleep and do less hours. But what I found was that my body, it caught up to me ways that I wasn't expecting. And some people have mental health breakdowns without sleep, but instead I had an actual physical breakdown. My body lowered its immune system and I got a really nasty infection in my lungs and required hospitalization and over a year's worth of medication and all this stuff. And it all stemmed from just not sleeping well Mm -hmm. and the not sleeping well, you know, that's just the big root, but there's a lot of pieces that go to that. Right. So like too much caffeine, um, just too many late nights of bad foods or drinking alcohol. And and there's so many things that impact sleep. And that's my, if I had one thing I could tell people is, man, don't mess around with your sleep because it's amazing what that does for you. And a lot of back when we, you know, back when we were younger, they didn't really know what sleep really did, but they're starting to figure out. And the research is showing it's super critical. And so that's the one thing, if I could do one thing to keep my self-care together, it's sleep. Yeah. Sleep. I, you know, I kind of like honed in on people is just like sleep, nutrition, exercise, and managing, you know, your thoughts and your responses. Those are like huge things and keeping people, you know, keeping people well. I know from talking to you, you know, a lot in the last couple of years and just listening to you and listening to your podcast that you have a love for learning and reading personal development books. And I know yeah. that you love Dr. Ben, Benjamin Hardy's book, The Gap in the Game, because I've seen yeah. like, oh yeah, this is huge. Well, yeah. I also know that you recently read his new book, 10X is Easier Than 2X. So yeah. can you share some of like maybe your biggest ahas or your takeaways from that or even from The Gap in the Game? Yeah. So his other, the third book in that trilogy is Who Not How. Yes. Um, <laughs> gosh, I can't live without that one either. Um My biggest aha with 10X is that that's how I've lived my life, not even knowing that's what I was doing. So I was really enjoying trying to just, oh, there's words to that, right? Sometimes I do things the hard way and then later go, oh, there was a way to like do that. Um, But to really get things done and to leap forward in your life, you have to let go of things that don't work for you anymore. And you have to do some uh, quantum leaps and shifts of who you are as a person. And so I just think back to several times in my life where I remember, those big shifts. And I didn't consciously think of letting 80% of things go so that I could focus on 20, which might've been helpful, right. To actually do that more consciously. Mm-hmm. Uh, what he talks about in the book of letting that 80% of your old stuff go that somebody else can now do for you to focus on the 20% only you can. I didn't know that language, but I I've always for sure known that there's certain things that I can do. And then I had recently within the last several years learned to think about like what my time is worth and what my hour is worth and how much I get paid for that hour. And then knowing that I could delegate to other people for a lot less money that are much more efficient doing things than I am in space. And so I had some of those dots connected, but this book really puts a clear focus of what to do. And the big aha for me that's new is thinking of the self-managing company. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the verge of jumping to that now. Mm -hmm. And so that whole chapter, I'm going to have to read that a few times about like the levels and how to do it that's where we're going, but I I didn't know the language of how to get there. So this is going to be a really great how-to for me for that next big leap. That's awesome. Can you share a little bit? I mean, you said, okay, I, you know, 
I, I didn't even know what the words were. I was 10xing and I didn't even know it. Can you can you give a couple examples of of how now looking back that you go, oh, I 10xed, you know, either this part of my life or, you know, this. What what are some of those jumps for you? Well, one of the big ones was when I had to run for political office. Um, like I said, I had no background in that. I took as few history or government classes as possible during school just to get out. I didn't want anything to do with it, didn't like it. And so when I was recruited to run, I knew nothing. So I was 100% saying, hey, somebody has to teach me what to do because I don't know what to do. And so I started that, um, you know, learning from other people pretty quick. And so I did what they told me to do. But to do it, it required a lot of time. So things fell off automatically. Um, I shifted away from the job that I'd had at the time into just campaigning full time. I started, you know, just really focusing on campaigning. So all 80% of all of this other stuff went away. And then when I actually got elected, that happened again, 80% of the, actually 80% of my time, I was living in a different town. I would travel uh, two hours to the Capitol and stay for four days a week and then return home on weekends. So with that, a lot fell off, right? Again, I, I moved up to a legislator and then 80% had to go because how was I going to do regular stuff at home? So, you know, uh, my husband had to pick up, you know, all sorts of type tasks and things back at the house to keep the house going while I'm out of town to be a legislator. So I had done that multiple times uh, just with jobs. Um, I think of another time with my health. So after all of that, when I got sick, this one was much more focused on my health. But um, once I got really sick and ended up hospital, and try to get recovered after that it took a lot and so to do that though a lot of stuff had to go away I mean I was really weak for a while and um, I had been previously swimming miles and all these things that all just disappeared with all of that so it took a very long time to build back up but to do that I had to give up a lot of crappy horrible uh, habits that I had of bad foods and I lost my gallbladder through there so changes on what I could eat so I gave up like weird habits and but I didn't think about it consciously. I was so focused on getting healthy that I didn't think about, oh, I'm giving up this 80%. It was more like, oh, to get here, I really have to focus here. And so by focusing on what I needed to do, a lot of other stuff just fell away. But I can look back now and see that those were 10x opportunities that really that 80-20 really did work. I just hadn't really put it in that perspective before. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm I'm just as you're talking, like sometimes I get visuals in my head. So I get visuals of like Renee in this boat and all of this like stuff that you had before. Like you had to like ditch because the boat was sinking because like it wasn't working. Like okay. I couldn't move forward mm -mm. and with all this baggage, all this other extra weight, mm -hmm. these tasks, these responsibilities, or you know, like you said, food or bad habits or whatever, they had to get out of the boat in order for you to move forward. So I, I think that's awesome because I think, you know, when people think, oh, I have to, you know, remove some things, I got to strip away 80%. I don't, you know, we, we're, we're like hoarders, aren't we? Like, I mean, how many storage units have popped up over the last couple decades? You know, we like to store our stuff, but it's kind of weighing us down. So like the idea of just freeing, you know, some of these things and, and not even thinking that, you know, you don't, it's like, I don't need it. Right. Right. No, and so one of the, the people that I have followed besides uh, Dr. Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan is Michael Hyatt, mm -hmm. and he has a freedom compass is what he calls it. And what you do is you sort of put your tasks into zones based on like what 
you really, your desire zone is like that, what you're proficient at and that you're passionate about. And then you think of the other zones, things that you might be proficient at, but you just don't like, or things that you're passionate about, but you're just not good at, or those other things that you really hate and you're not good at, right? You just don't like it at all. And I've been doing that process now for probably since the first one I ever found in one of my journals is about 2019. So I started like delegating the things that were really the stuff that I hated the most. And that, um, so what it does though, is it gets your brain focused on the desire zone of what you want to do. So I don't think about when I go thinking about a goal, a project, something that I really want, my brain doesn't go to the stuff I have to give up to get there. My brain goes to how do I get more time I can get that. Mm -hmm. And to get more time to get that stuff falls off. Mm -hmm. I think it's about your mindset, right? If you go into something at 10X and think, oh my gosh, I have to give up 80. What am I giving up? That's not going to make it there. Just like if you're in a diet, right? If I want to be in a diet, I am much better healthy wise thinking of adding more water, adding more exercise, adding more lifting, adding more vegetables, thinking of that than I am of, oh my gosh, I have to give up sugar. I have to give up my pizza night. I have to give up alcohol. I have to give up. My brain just does that different. And I think we're all like that. So mm -hmm. what you're saying is, you know, that giving up the 10, the 80 is not hard if you're really clear on the 20 you want. And that's where I am in life now more days than not is I know what I want. And mm -hmm. so to know what I want, I got to stop doing all this other stuff because it's weighing me down. Yeah. I mean, so much, you just, you know, just talking to so much comes up to my mind. One is the difference between growth mindset and limited mindset, you know, just that just, you know, the growth is approaching things. And it's another way to look at it is a approach versus avoid. And so mm -hmm. that, you know, your 20% is you're approaching that you're, you know, looking forward to it, you're, you're growing in that aspect. And the 80%, if you want to look at it that way is kind of limiting, because you're like, Oh, I don't want to give it up, you know, like, you know, you want to hang on to it. And, and you want to avoid letting go of it. So it really kind of weighs you down. And that whole idea about clarity, if you're really clear, on your goal on what you want, your 20%, this other stuff just kind of fades away. Right. right. Other stuff. Yeah. Falls I can off. think of a, a simple example that your listeners will really relate to, but I, I needed to give up dairy. Um, my stomach doesn't hold well with that. The inflammation that it causes in my body was causing some of the chronic issues. Now, if you think about that, giving up milk, right, that sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. And that sounds horrible. It sounds like you just can't do it. You're but I didn't think of it like that at all. It was more like, Hey, that doesn't make me feel good. So let's see if I could find something else that I would like that would make my body feel better instead. Yeah. Now, do I never, ever eat dairy? No, I'm not a person that gets, there are some people out there that really get sick. I'm mm -hmm. blessed to not be that, but you know, I can have some cheese. I can have occasional ice cream, but I know I'm going to pay for it. And so now it's more of a, is it a, is it a choice I choose based on knowing that I'm going to have consequences for it or not, but it's been a, long time now that I've been without and I don't even feel like I'm without right mm -hmm. I didn't think about it like that it was like this is something that's just not right for my body I did the same thing with soda I don't know how many years ago now mm -hmm. I don't miss it there's occasionally sometimes I'm like well you know think about it but I'm like yeah, there's no real good qualities to that for me mm -hmm. so there's been reasons and ways just to change but it always is that approach like you're talking about looking at what I'm going toward not what I'm leaving behind because if I get stuck oh my gosh, I can't have blank. Right. Then my brain automatically is like, you want that a hundred percent. Yeah. 
And that is never as good. So I think about like trying to fill it up with like the good. And so that's absolutely how I have to think of like how I eat is have mm-hmm. to think of, you know, what I, what I am trying to do and what I'm trying to add to my life. It's, it's a totally different game. Yeah. Totally different game. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, if anybody's out there, you know, listening to that is just, you know, yeah, look at your viewpoint, your mindset on like on what you're gaining from this, you know, how can, what's going to serve you better? What are, what makes you feel good, you know, going in that direction instead of what you're actually having to give up because Mm -hmm. it's totally different. And you're right. If it's just like, oh, I can't have chocolate. All you think about is chocolate. Mm-hmm. you know and so how about hey how what makes my body feel good let's mm-hmm. do more of that hey peggy meyer here interrupting myself to ask you this important question do you have a vision or a dream for growing your business by the end of the year maybe your goal is to grow your email list increase your profits or your sales maybe even add a new product or service If so, click on the link in the show notes to get the details of my free Making the Impossible Possible goal setting workshop on September 18th, sent directly to your inbox. Stretch your mind of what is possible and finish the year strong. Now back to the podcast. So that's awesome. I want to switch gears now. And I really want to like talk a little bit more about your new podcast that you have about behavioral health care issues. And I love, love the title and, um, I'll put it in the show notes and you guys go check it out because the graphic on this is lovely because (laughs) I'm, we farm and, you know, we're in the Midwest, you're in the Midwest and it's farming country. So the podcast is called stepping in it. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, that's a lot of fun. So that's my business partner's brilliant idea. And at first I was like, no way, we cannot possibly use that as a title of a of a podcast. But the more we thought about it, we're like, oh yeah, it kind of is. So we do a lot of implementation in behavioral health and systems. And so we will get called, say, a hospital and their perspective is one thing and they'll have us come and tell us whatever they want us to do. And oftentimes it's a small hospital who get people in their emergency that get stuck with a behavioral health issue. And their perspective is that the providers in the community that should work with behavioral health are just not doing their job. They're not helping them get them out. They're not serving the client, blah, blah, blah. And you get there and almost never, almost never is the story actually the story they think it is. Never. So you step right in it and you're like thinking you're going in for one thing and you get there and the mess is bigger than you thought. And it's different than you thought. And so you get in and you're like, whoa, this is kind of a mess. Well, I, with my policy background, I really found, I really like policy and I understand it. And a lot of people see it. It's that gap and gain perspective, but a lot of people see it as limiting factor. A, you know, if this is a law, then we can't do blank. Well, instead I see it as this is the limit. So where's the line? So what can I do to be creative, to get around it? And that I see in a gain mindset all the time. I see, okay, well, that's the minimum. So then what can we do above and beyond that? And that really helps us in this situation because you get in and you're like, oh, this is a huge mess. Let's deal, let's dig in and deal with it. Right. And so we really like talking about those messes. We've, we work a lot of rural, we call it frontier and remote. So places that you go when there's nobody or very few anybody's. And so that's our specialty. So when we thought about this particular graphic and stuff, we were like, oh, that's a hundred percent. Well, 
too. And it's a lot of fun to talk about. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what, what's upcoming for that? I mean, it's, there's a lot there, like, is that audience targeted for, you know, who, I mean, anybody can benefit. I just love listening to it because, you know, I've behavioral health background. I, you know, was on a a rural um, health board. And so all of that is, you know, Mm -hmm. intriguing to me. It's, it's not my 20%. It's not my passion, but I understand the challenges, but tell us a little bit who, who's that, who's the audience for and, and really how can everybody else gain from it? Yeah, so the audience really is focused on the folks that kind of work and live and need that system. So it could be anybody that are, you know, that needs a mental health system to better understand how to access it and how it's supposed to work. And then the folks that are in it that are the providers, those um, maybe employees at various hospitals or even state departments that are trying to build a system. Um, There's a lot of humorous, hilarious things that happen in rural communities around this topic. And so a lot of people think it's just dry and boring. And we try to bring out the fun because it is pretty entertaining when you get to these rural communities and thinking about like what they're trying to do. They're always such good, kind-hearted people that are trying to do the right thing. And it just goes awry. And some of that's hilarious. So we talk about the funny side of it too, because we all know that humor helps, right? Humor makes you feel better. If you have a humor, if you have a good sense of humor, it can help you get well. It can help you improve your self-care. It can do a lot of things for you. So we're trying to bring humor into that space and just talking about some of the more ridiculous things that we run into while dealing with a tough subject. And the reason most people should listen and care about this is suicide rates are not going down. Mm-hmm. There's somebody you know who's either contemplated suicide or is maybe even has died by suicide. And this impacts everyone. And in rural communities, those numbers are getting really out of control. And in our ag and our farming communities, it's even more so. They're one of the top groups in the country that are struggling with this. And so we need to start talking about this. And so these people are getting more isolated, more depressed, more anxious. And so because of those reasons, we want to bring this forward today and talk about how the system should and then what people should be able to expect and how they should be able to access it. Because it really is a system that government has built. So everyone should be able to access. And that isn't the way it is today, And but it needs to be. And so the need's never been higher, never been greater. And so we're trying to step into it and say, hey, here's how you access it. And this is what you should expect when you try to get some help. That's awesome because, you know, the education out there, there, there has been and continues to be, um, unfortunately, a mental health, you know, kind of stigma out there about, you know, that especially out here, you know, in the ag area, you know, the pride of being able to, you know, weather lots of storms by mm-hmm. getting, you know, food out there, just, you know, dependent on the weather, all of these uncontrollables, but yet, you know, we don't access, you know, the Mm -hmm. things that we need to. So the education of how to access and to help also the providers and the people in the communities that maybe don't quite understand it as well as they could and just give them a little bit more empowerment to be able to, to have that knowledge, to be able to get that care that they need and provide better care. That's right. And we also add a recovering politician tip each week because I'm doubling down on self-care. I'm telling you what, 
Um, it is something we need as an individuals, but it's as we need as as communities and corporations to think about how do we better care for our employees and for our community members our neighbors. And so that's a piece that's every, every single conversation is about, okay, you get to the end of this and maybe it's a tough conversation, but what do you need to do for yourself? Because Mm -hmm. we have figured out the hard way that we, as, as helpers and therapists and people in this field, if we don't take care of ourselves, we're no good to others. And so we, you know, the therapists and folks that go through these crises, so say, you know, we had two ratios through Iowa the last year. Um, Those are straight line wins. Those that don't know, it's kind of like a hurricane, but with a lot less warning, and it wipes out a bunch of stuff across the Midwest. Well, we had one of those that really did a lot of damage, and the people that are in the moment that are helping are those therapists, those helpers, those emergency workers. They do what they need to do. Their adrenaline kicks in, and they get they do what they need to do, but it's always six months or so later that the helpers start suffering. And so as we've been through you know, a pandemic, and these derechos, and then there's floods, and then there's, you know the um, different inflation issues and the supply chain issues. There's just been a whole lot of big time stress this last three years. And so all the helpers that I work with that that are people that we would talk to on this podcast, not all of them are okay. And they need to hear that it's okay to not be okay. And they need to reach out for help because we all need help. And the helpers, oftentimes those of us that are therapists, doctors, nurses, we suck the most at getting help. And so it's about, hey, I always needed help. You're going to need help. How do we work on that together? So it's really is let's, let's like talk about the tides lifting all boats, right? Let's all work on a behavioral health system so that we all feel better. And it's not just about helping just certain people. It's mm-hmm. about everyone. That is true. And I just, I just remember a conversation I had with an emergency manager after a tragedy in our community about, you know, the help that was poured in right away. And I said, I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about the first month, first two months. I'm worried about three, six months, one year after. I'm worried about that. How are we going to continue to provide these, this help? these services and remind people that they're still there. But also like you were saying is it's, it's the after effect. It's the six months later where some of the stress really kicks in and you can't necessarily pinpoint it. Mm -hmm. But for those of us that I have, have gone back and I do this a lot with my kids, it's like, you know, Oh, why is this happening right now? Well, like you said earlier, the sleep is important. Yeah. I say you go back seven, 10 days and see, Hey, what's been going on the last seven, 10 days and Holy crap, your attitude and your emotional state right now is a reflection of the last seven to 10 days, but it's actually more than that on a lot of people for the stress. Cause we just stack it. We just stack it. So, yeah. so important to remember that just because a stress initially happened, you know, on this date doesn't mean that it's not affecting somebody months down the road. Right. And one of the things that most Americans don't know, but they should, we've been tracking the data that's at the National Data Center for Depression and Anxiety. And prior to the pandemic, so in 19, in 2019, before 2020 hit, our collective overall level of depression and anxiety in our country was around 11%. Right now we are tracking above 30% and it has not gone back down. And it has been over 30% now through 2020, 2021, 2022, into 2023. So for everybody that thought, quote, we went back to quote normal, whatever that is, is 
that isn't a thing. And so everybody's much higher on edge. The depression and anxiety scores are higher. Now that's two factors, right? Some people may feel more okay to report. So stigma may be reducing, which is awesome because that means maybe more people feel okay to report. But if you've noticed anything in public lately, people are way more stressed out than they used to be. And that's not going down. It's not changing. And so those workers that you talked about that got into the pandemic, you know, back in 2020, that didn't stop in six months. Normally our chronic, chronic stress is about three months. We're now going on three years. And this is sort of this big experiment that um, one day they're going to write about this period of time and show the what it did to people over time. We're living it. And so it really is harder right now for a lot of people. It, that is really true. So for people listening who think it's harder and they can't make decisions, you know, we said this earlier about sleep, but, you know, if you're not sleeping well, you don't make good diet choices. If you're not sleeping well, you don't make good attitude choices. And if you're not sleeping well, you don't make any other good choices. And so a lot of times we think it's willpower, but it's not, it's fatigue. And so, you know, we just have to be thoughtful about like judging and making judgments on this around people because it's been a lot. And so we just need to help people understand, yes, it's been a lot. You've been through a lot. I've been through a lot. It's impacted us differently. And it's okay to talk about that. And so that's really what this podcast and why now, because some people are like, what in the world are you doing with this now? It's because this is getting worse. It's not getting better. And we need to step in. And if the system doesn't stand up to actually support people, we're going to be in the bigger trouble. So that's what we're trying to do is like, we've been in this, um, the policy realm, my business partner and I collectively well over 40 years, and we've seen all kinds of things. And so we're just now saying, Hey, this is what we've learned through that process and help us, let us help you kind of avoid some of those big, massive messes. Let's uh, set this up correctly so we can make a difference for people. That's awesome. That's so much good stuff right? So much good stuff so much good stuff out there. But we're, we're gonna, as we wrap up here, is there any parting, you know, couple major thoughts or something that you really want to leave the audience with today? Well, now that I've read this book, uh, 10x really is easier than 2x. Um, if you're, I've tried to lose five pounds before. That's just terrible. It's just a waste of time because it's the same five. You gain the five, lose the five, gain the five, lose the five. When I'm successful, it's actually changing things significantly to hold on to good change and to make a gain. And that's one example, right? And in my business and in my personal life, same is true. If you're trying to just make a little bit more than you made last year, you know, the little bump in your salary might be enough. But if you're really trying to dive into who you really are and the person that you're meant to be, sometimes it just requires a, a huge change in what you're doing. And it's actually easier because like I said, the 80%, it just falls away. Mm -hmm. So I stepped up to get elected, going to be legislator. I didn't know what that meant, but all of a sudden, all the stuff I had to do before doesn't matter anymore because now I got to do this. And so I didn't have to think through, oh, what 80% do I give up? That became obvious. So when you jump in, that 10x, it really is easier than 2x. And I think more people should give it a shot because it's a lot of fun. Um, you're never bored. And there's always a new adventure around the corner. That's awesome. Yes, 10x is actually way easier than 2x. It's a whole different mindset and you're going to feel a lot lighter, have more joy, have more happiness, but that's awesome. So check out Renee and Jason's podcast, Stepping In It. I'm going to put it that in the show notes. But thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Renee. This has been a blast. 
So fun. I'd love to see you again sometime. Thanks for having me. Yep. No problem. Anytime. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you found some value, insights, and something that resonated with you in today's show. If today's show spoke to you, would you please share it with a friend and go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening from and subscribe to the show so that you can be the first to know when new content and episodes go live. While you're there, would you please give it some love? Please like it, comment on it, and leave a five-star rating and review. Thank you so much in advance for taking two minutes of your time to do this. Your likes, comments, and reviews really help get the word out to more people who need to hear there are positive solutions for their life. I would love to connect with you. You can find me on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, whichever is your favorite platform, and let's have a conversation about today's show. Thanks for listening and have a great week.